Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where each week we pick a movie from the past and relive it in the present. This week's movie, Gladiator. Hi, I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, surrounded by my Time Machine friends, Chris and Jamie. How are you guys doing today? Are you not entertained? (laughs) All right, Chris, so uh, we've gone around. We've been picking our favorite movies. It's your turn for this episode, and you picked The Gladiator. So I want to just start off, why did, why did you pick The Gladiator? Why is this one of your favorite movies? So I have always really appreciated The Gladiator, first and foremost. I just think it's really well uh, written and acted. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix in this role like makes this movie for me. He is phenomenal. I like him as an actor to, like, period. I think he does some really, really cool things with her and Walk the Line as Johnny Cash. Um, but in particular, like, this movie has always spoken to me. Um, I'm not a big, like, violence in movie kind of person. So, like, the fact that there is so much violence to me, I think, just speaks to how well this is done. Like, how how well done this movie is. And um, So, I think, like, the couple things that have always stood out to me is just... I think there are a lot of things that you just don't anticipate from this movie. Um, and I think that there are a lot of surprises. And that, to me, is really exciting. And I think when you... When you watch this movie movie for the first time, I think there are unique... Like, every single time I watch it, it's a unique experience. I just think, like, there are times that, that I always see new and unique things and different things. And I've seen this movie 10, 12, 15 times. So, I just think it's, it's a movie that has um, aged really well. I think it has lasted a long time. And I'm always really in- excited to watch it again and, and see how it changes. <laughs> All right, now let's do the box office breakdown. Jamie's going to give us some of the box office receipts and the highest grossing movies of the year 2000. All right, here we go. So this film was released May 5th of 2000, which is, I think that's still kind of the sweet spot for films in the theater. That's when most of the Marvel films come out, early May, right before summer gets rolling. Um, So it was number two on the list. And in order, one through 10, we got Mission Impossible 2, which is famously known as the worst film of the franchise. Yeah. Still made the most money that year. Never seen any of them. That's the one where Cruz grew out his hair. I think motorcycles were involved. I didn't see the whole thing, though. Did he do, for the first movie, did he do his own stunts, or did that happen later on? I think he's done his own stunts all the time. I think that's true, too. Yeah. No matter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then followed by Gladiator, $460.5 million. I think I forgot to mention, on a budget of $103 million, this wow. yeah, had a uh, worldwide gross of $460.5 million. Um, I've seen different Wikipedia numbers, um, give or take half a million. Man, and on that budget, too, that movie looks so good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just watching that movie, like, it has aged so well. Yeah. So well. I mean, it looks like it could have been released today, like this year. Agreed. They've done a great job with it. And I'm trying to think, like, I'd be curious to know what some of the film locations were because it was, they were really good. And, like, some of the desert scenes and stuff like that. I think when they were in Europe or Asia, that's where they had the um, model of the Coliseum, right? I mean, they built, I want to say, like, half the Coliseum to scale. Yeah. It costs millions and millions of dollars. Then another great example, too, of, like, practical effects mixed with, like, cgi which right you yeah. can't it's you cannot see it it's hard to see yeah right hmm. um all right uh just run through the last few here uh castaway number three uh what women want number four disney's dinosaur number five uh number six how the grinch stole christmas 
Uh, seven, meet the parents. Eight, the perfect storm. Nine, X Men. Ten, what lies beneath. And um, for some more context for the Mission Impossible franchise, uh, in 2018, Mission Impossible Fallout came out. That grossed $791.1 million worldwide. So those continue to make money. Um, but what I thought was really interesting, too, is I mean, Christmas movies kind of rule the day. I wonder if that's still true now. But I, I know back then, like, The Grinch was number five for a movie that I it's not one of my favorites. But Was that the Jim Carrey one? That yeah, Jim that's Carrey Jim Carrey one. one. Yeah. Yeah, that one's weak. Yeah. The like, new animated one is good. I haven't seen the that CGI one. Oh, like the 2018 the, one? Yeah. I've heard good things. Um, I think about that, and I feel like the... like When's the last good Christmas movie you've seen, though? It's been a while. Like I feel yeah. like Home Alone. <laughs> I was gonna say, like I feel like we like we can think of like a couple like good ones. Like I feel like the one that um, people often talk about is um, Love Actually, right? Like that is like a Christmas oh, movie, but God. also that like just yeah. to choke myself. Yeah, but death. like so many people love that movie, and like it is like a well-known like Christmas movie. I feel like you talk to a lot of people, and they're like, "Ah, oh, my favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard One." That, Which we can that, get back that, to. Is that hard Christmas <laughs> movie or not? Movie? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I would say Gremlins, Gremlins. That's a Christmas movie, right? Damn, that's right a great it movie. Is. Yeah, that is a right? solid <laughs> Christmas creature feature. Um, do you guys X Men? Anybody? I I remember this had to have been. I think it beat Spider Man. No, like for me, like the two that really stood out was Castaway and Perfect Storm. Like those were two movies where, like, I thought Perfect Storm was. A really good movie, great cast. Like I'm surprised that that didn't do better in the box office. So that like that stood up for me. And then I I also think Castaway, like with with Tom Hanks, like again is a very like well known movie. Um, I would I would expect like there was a lot of expectation put on by um by the actual company that it would do better. So, but still, I mean, so for Gladiator, no, for Castaway, Castaway. yeah. So just really quick, out of these top ten movies, like which ones uh, either have you seen or have not seen? So what what haven't you seen out of this top ten list? I've seen all but Dinosaur, What Women Want, and What Lies Beneath. Yeah, I would say for me, the movies I haven't seen What Women Want and What but Lies Beneath. Everything else I've seen. Man, I've seen the Grinch movie. Is this going to be disappointing, And Chad? X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this might get, this is going to get to why I didn't even see Gladiator. Because this yeah. is, I'm still in like a pop culture vacuum in this part of my life, this time of my life. Yeah. So. This movie has played such a big role for me. When I heard that you hadn't seen it, it, it blew me away. I couldn't believe it. And I'm, I'm so glad that like now is the time. That you now is the it. time. To hear your experience with it. And it will be really unique and what your first impression I bet were. it is unique. All right, let's start talking about some of our favorite scenes and some of the um most memorable memorable scenes from The Gladiator. Um why don't we go ahead and start with you Chris since this was your pick just maybe start with like your favorite scenes and we'll just go around with our favorite scenes and after that we'll talk about memorable scenes because I yeah. think there's some other stuff that we want to talk about or I want to touch on too and um just on the cast as well. Sure, sure. So I think as far as favorite 
scenes go, I think there are kind of a handful. Again, I just think that when I think about this movie, the person that makes this movie for me is Joaquin Phoenix and his character. I think Agreed. almost every scene that he is in from the beginning where he shows up late to the the opening battle yeah to yeah. the opening battle where he's like oh my gosh i can't believe like it's it's not still going on to the end to the end scene i think is just him in sheer brilliance when i think about scenes that really stand out for me um i think there's a couple i've always really appreciated uh, I guess like the gladiator, like Maximus's role in kind of seeing him in some of that vulnerability piece to me. So I think about when he's about to get um about to get killed, and he asks for like a soldier's death, and the they go to kill him, and he's able to grab the sword, kill the other guy, and somebody's like sword sticks. And just like how brilliant the line is, just that simple of sometimes the cold or the ice makes the sword stick. Like that to yeah. me has always just stuck with me. Um, I also just think like his ability to command the ranks has been really unique. And I think they did a great job of showing it. Like you look at when he is um, being, I guess, vetted for like what color he's going to be, red or blue or whatever, like how strong of a fighter he is and. He is extremely. Um, oh, this was after he's captured. Then, like after he's yeah. captured, yeah, and he's like extremely like dissonant. Like I'm not going to do anything, and like he just like throws his sword down. I think like that's a really cool scene. As far as like favorite scenes, I would say one of my all time favorite scenes is just when, um, when, uh, I guess. Like Joaquin Phoenix's character has found out that there is a coup and that it's about to happen, and so he is telling the story to. Um, oh, that's brutal! Uh, that scene is yeah, brutal like, when he's talking is, to his sister. Yeah, to Lucia. Yeah. yeah, in like talking to the kid and says like he has like the the story that he's telling about like how you know how he's being betrayed and like the way that he is telling that story so that like it makes sense to this like really young kid, but also like just the levels that that plays on to me is absolutely perfect. And that to me is like one of the most powerful, powerful scenes. Um, and I would say like that to me is in my top three scenes for this movie. Yeah, I would agree. They go to great pains to just um, make him the perfect villain in every way. <laughs> He's threatening kids threatening his sister who he wants to marry and they literally have a line in here where commodus refuses to fight against the plague <laughs> like you can't Why? get you i you can't get more scummy than that um so i i would agree with you there that just every step taken and yet it's with other villains it would be easy to uh caricaturize them but mm -hmm. that's why Phoenix is so good because, I mean, his emotions are that that real and that honest. And that's a weak person who right. wants power. And I think that is why he is so evil and why you revile him. But you also kind of want to see how far he'll go just to get yeah. what he wants. Um, 
Yeah, I guess Joaquin, like as he was preparing for this role, was like terrified of it. Really? Like he was terrified that he wasn't going to like live up to this character. Yeah. And really Scott would go on to say that he just like just like grew into it like instantly. And mm-hmm. then it just plays out and just like because I always thought this was like a Russell Crowe movie. And after watching it, I was like, I tricked myself into believing that because that's that's one of the main reasons I, I did not watch this movie. I was just like, I'm sick of, I don't like him. He's a terrible actor, I think, for the most mm-hmm. part. But yeah, Joaquin and um, I can't remember the actress's name, but Connie Nielsen. Connie Nielsen just mm-hmm. like rule this movie. Well, and I even like, like some of the other supporting characters too, like, yeah. Well, and it's not your fault for being misled because Crow won the Oscar for best actor. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was like it, it is literally the one scene when his wife dies. Like he, like that is that is a tremendous scene where he finds his wife and and his son dead, and he's got like the snot in the spit that's like coming out, and he's like kissing the feet of his wife, and like you can just see the string of like snot and like spit. Like yeah, that's powerful. Like. That to me, that scene alone is what won him the Oscar. Uh, I believe it. All right. Thank you, Chris. Jamie, you want to go through what your favorite scene, memorable scenes were? Yeah, absolutely. I um so like you, Chad, I was kind of struggling with Maximus throughout the whole film, and a lot of it too is almost like Rome. The story itself is just a weird amalgamation of um like you got Richard Harris as Marcus Aurelius, who's very famous British actor. So I was immediately thrown, you know, I'm thinking Shakespeare and we're in ancient Rome. And when Commodus learns he's not going to get the throne and he's chosen Maximus killing his father. I mean, that's just, you know, that's Hamlet. And um, so I was kind of put off kilter in that way and, you know, waiting for Maximus to kind of bring me back because he is this cypher is not the right word but as a military commander you can only have so much personality i mean i think that's what makes the great ones great leaders because you don't want to become too personal with your men enough so they respect you and they follow you and they love you but you can't be buddies with them because they might be gone tomorrow so i i think my favorite scene is when um you kind of get it's the fields of elysium i think is generally what it's called and again it's hard to pinpoint one exact faith or what it is but i i interpret it as this is heaven for this world that they're in it's when he's dying in the coliseum and he sees the fields of wheat and he's going back with his family and to me that that's the most powerful scene in the movie because you realize this is this is what it's always been about you know he fights because he has to he wins because he has to but ultimately he wants to go back home he doesn't want to be caesar and he tells Marcus Aurelius as much, but he will accept it reluctantly until Commodus takes it from him. And he doesn't want to be a gladiator. He throws down his sword. He doesn't want to fight. But, and he doesn't even want to die. <laughs> you know, it takes Connie Nielsen to tell him, you know, go to them, go home. Mm-hmm. And that's the, and it was so weird too, because I was um, trying to figure out how I felt throughout the whole movie. And then, I mean, there weren't man tears, but they were close. <laughs> when he's going through the wheat fields and you know being reunited with his family mm-hmm. i was like ah fuck that's you know that's what it's all about that's yeah i love with like the the fields of wheat i love that's how the movie starts out yeah and there's there's like the opening scene then there's the moment when he when he's getting 
they're writing him out to execute him. Mm-hmm. Then there's like that little like flashback, flash forward stuff happening. So I just like how that that theme kind of is throughout the movie. And again, this is like art films, like film school shit. But like listening to really Scott talk about it, he's like, yeah, it's this theme of like mortality constantly. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I get it like that. And like through like the the early gladiator scenes, but and also like the the, the music with that too. It's just like the like yeah. a men's choir kind of a thing where it's just yeah like these really ominous like voices and kind of like pitches that kind of go hit their their stride and i feel like that to me when i watch that like final scene in in kind of seeing the flashback to like him like with like his hand on the wheat like that to me only is as strong as like having that like music be a part of it and that to me like just strikes a chord yeah with the score in this movie too it's like it's listening to the score it's almost like it's done by multiple like different composers but it's Hans Zimmer, but it's just brilliant how mm-hmm. how different that score can be throughout the film. And like, um, I, guess, I guess I could just kind of, uh, you know, segue into like one of my favorite scenes. It's um, when like going into that final battle, like from the point when Commodus walks up to Maximus when he's like chained on the, the cross and he stabs. Yeah. And stabs yeah. him, you know, and just that whole playthrough and like and as they rise up to the Coliseum yep. floor and like the pedals are falling. Then the score that comes in there, it's like operatic. It's just like intense, like musical story that kicks in, like mm-hmm. almost completely different than the rest of the movie. And just that scene playing out all the way through until like the end. I also like, like that nobody had a clue that that was going to happen. Right. Like, yeah, they, they come up and they are all shrouded in like the, like the the legion or oh like yeah the army yeah and so like yes. they all have their shields out yep. and then like he gives his order and then they all spread out and that's when you see like oh wow it is the gladiator it's maximus versus combatist and that to me was like a really cool kind of shot too of of seeing that and one thing that i didn't talk about that i thought was like one of the the most unique shots is after like the the failed attempt to get away after his friend is hanging um, by his neck and he's like trying to grab him, there's this shot of Commodus in the palace and you just see these like, like basically like they just killed his friends and then it shoots to Commodus in this like kind of like silhouetted whatever in the, the palace and you see these like doves start to fly away and you see this like beautiful like scenery of a um, basically a kind of like a sunset and that to me is like one of the most like stunning views in that entire movie is like right after his friends die like his friend dies the the his sidekick the entire movie and and like the failed coup happens and you see like Commodus just so proud of himself and like the doves fly away it's right before the the stabbing that scene, scene. And it's yeah. just it's in, incredible just imagery alone yeah, and even what Commodus is wearing, it's very like it's like he's a statue. So it's just like all white. It's very different from what he's worn through that entire mm-hmm. movie. And well, he's evoking, you know, the marble. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Which didn't occur to me until just now. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and I I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that. I um don't know if we want to pivot into some of the more historical stuff with the script right now. I don't want to yeah, derail us in no. that direction. But conversational podcast. All right. So <laughs> I remember um, 
just kind of reading a bit on Wikipedia. And one of the thoughts I had when I was watching it is, you know, Commodus is such a coward. Would he be so bold as to step into the ring with Maximus, even knowing that, you know, he stabbed him before the match? And I read that, I guess, the real Commodus did do that. He did step in the ring and fight. Um, I'm, I'm sure the battles were... like they were controlled, though. Right. Like, it'd be like... It wasn't like tigers, but say it'd be like tigers or lions, but they would, like, be chained up and like the chain would be long enough to like where they wouldn't reach him, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But he was, also, yeah. it was a controlled battle in his favor. I think they yeah. foreshadowed that too with like the earlier scene where he was like fighting, kind of like the circle of people. And he yes, was, like, it was practicing. right after like Maximus is like kind of cl- yeah. like where he washes his hand and he catches Commodus and like and it's almost like, like a in the, it's like a in the it's field. like a choreographed yes like exactly. battle and like yeah it kind of shows like his like he's like practicing but like. To what extent are is anybody really it's practicing to be on a dance team yep. versus right. fight a right. battle? Right. And I mean, ultimately, I was okay with it too because I guess in a way it did reflect his character. He the entire movie um, didn't enter a situation in which he didn't already have the upper hand. You know, he mm-hmm. quashed plots pretty quickly. Um, was pretty perceptive. Perceptive. So I I do think he thought in his mind that he probably had the fight one probably exacerbated by the fact that he is a Caesar now and he has one so often. So he's probably feeling himself a little bit. I also think like part of like what drives that when I, when I watch the movie is the motivation. Like you, you think about his, I want to say is it, it's his nephew, right? The younger. Yeah. Yeah. His nephew. Like I think part of what drives that is like his nephew is now playing gladiator is playing this role. And like, that is really shocking to him and like, difficult for him and i think like there is a desire to to recreate what that narrative is right because i think he says are you playing um uh, it starts with the c something but like are you playing something else and he's like no i'm playing gladiator and as soon as he finds that out like that is that's a huge shift Mm -hmm. in in the narrative and i think like for him like once he finds that out, it's I need to become like, no, you need to go back to this narrative. It's not the gladiator is above Rome. It is Rome above no one else. And I think like that's a big push for him to like take on the gladiator. And I do agree like with the with his upper hand. Right. Yeah, it's um, earned by right, not earned by ability. Correct. I just kind of want to just talk like general feelings about the cast overall. Mm-hmm. Like again, I already kind of shared my, my opinion of Russell Crowe. I'm not like a fan. I don't have, have not really seen many of his movies or just no. kind of whatever, but yeah, just Joaquin Phoenix in this movie. Um, Connie Nielsen, uh, Proximo. Let me ask you this. I'm curious, Chad, you've talked a little bit about like your, your disdain or like on like, uneasiness with um with russell crowe as maximus is there anyone that you can think of right now that would be that you would, would, have, would play that character yeah, that better prefer to have seen it no okay. <laughs> i'm just curious no you got anything, I, well i guess really for the most part though it's like for me like i think i watched the movie like, maybe what have you done before this that you were like oh man can't get behind i don't russell even think crowe. i think it just was maybe how the 
I don't know. I can't remember. Like how I, it was like maybe maybe how they like, in like yeah the and like how the they pro- they promote yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it's weird. I feel like the promos for it too is just kind of like I just didn't want to see like muscle men like you know clashing swords and like gladiator fights. Mm-hmm. You know, like I got that in Spartacus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's I. I think that Russell Crowe was terrible in this movie. I just think the supporting cast was so great. Yeah. That it made it, him like kind of like it kind of like yeah, like I agree. like yeah, I don't think I don't, he, I don't think he was bad in this yeah. movie by any means. Like yeah. in my opinion like Joaquin Phoenix 100% stole oh, this yeah, movie. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Like every single scene that he was in was phenomenal. But I also don't think like yeah, I don't I don't think that Russell Crowe is by any means a amazing or stellar actor. I think he does fine in the stuff that he's been in. But everyone else in this, especially Joaquin Phoenix, which a lot of the scenes were them together, like back and forth or walking with others. And there's just no defeating what he did. Like there's just, yeah, he, he, in my opinion, made this movie more than Russell Crowe did, even though Russell Crowe was the Definitely. face of it. Well, and I think what's off-putting, too, and maybe subconsciously, is Joaquin Phoenix looks like a Caesar. He looks a little bit more Roman, and like I kind of mentioned before with Shakespeare, it's just such an amalgam of different cultures and stories. Like, Russell Crowe is Australian, and it slips out a little bit when he's Mm -hmm. talking. Not enough to derail me, but just enough to, I don't know, you know, if he's not Roman, but he's also a Spaniard. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to put these lines together, too. I was like, wait, they're calling him the Spaniard. Right. But he's the general of Rome, and it's not explicitly c- clear the first time you see the film once you watch it a couple times and just I just reflect on how vast the Roman Empire was. Yeah, that becomes more clear. But I I just I think for me anyway I don't want to put words in your mouth, Chad. But that's kind of what's off putting is like he's kind of hey you know I'll be honest like I've been known to uh, you know I'm gonna speak hyperbole. More often than not, so. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good one for you, though. So, yeah. 1997, he was in L.A. Confidential. Have you seen that? No. Okay, okay. <laughs> Is, should you ever <laughs> decide to steer your ship of the imagination back into the 90s? That, that's a solid Maybe Russell like Crow. 96, 97 to like 2000, 2001. There's a big gap. But I feel like okay. Russell Crowe, too, like the thing, like he made his name was the... Um, uh, the math one, yeah, Early mind, yeah, beautiful, beautiful mind, mind. beautiful mind. Like I feel like that's what made Russell Crowe, and like I think that's honestly what got him this part. Was this one before? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it it was released the year after, but you're right, and I think that one Best Picture in two thousand one. I can't remember if he won another Oscar, but I think he yeah. might have. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I, I think, think he, he did. Got, uh, nominated for it. Mm-hmm. Um. Two things in the film that I really enjoyed that we haven't talked about yet is uh, uh, Jaman Hanzu, who plays Juba, and I probably just butchered his uh, name. Yeah, he's so, awesome. Pardon me. He, he, he always pops up, too, in movies that I forget he's in, and he's always great. I'm always mm-hmm. happy to see him when he's in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a version of this film where, you know, it's it's like a buddy cop movie. I, just, I think of the first fight where Maximus won't fight, and Juba pretty much saves his ass the yep. entire fight. So that's just a good friend is all that is. Yep. And yeah, buries his soldiers at the end. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm oh, like Juba the figures fan. of his uh, family. Yeah. Right? 
in the Coliseum, like that's mm-hmm. the sand is stained with his blood. Yeah, very cool scene. I just think like that's one of like the the constant, like when I think about like one of like the constant themes is like like Maximus's leadership. Like he's always able to like create and like get people behind him and like find friends and like create friends in like the most unique circumstances. And I think of that as like one of them where he's able to like create this friendship, like a strong enough friendship and, you know, albeit they've been through a ton of stuff together. But like, again, like I feel like his leadership, whether that be friendship or like his leadership ability, like he's able to gain the respect of others to the point where like, yeah, that final scene, they, they kind of bury that. And I think that's really, really cool. And a, a very like unique, not unique. I think it's a very like common theme that we see throughout the movie. Yeah, I would agree. And kind of, I mean, you pretty much said this, but beyond what we discussed before him as a general and a leader, like this, this feels like more like something special, like they're yeah. buds. Yeah. It, there's a more mutual respect there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I kind of dig that. The other thing that I want to talk about, and this is probably just a me problem, but I just, do you ever feel like Game of Thrones has like broken your brain for <laughs> relevant? I it's just, and what I mean by that is I just got some serious Ned Stark vibes from Maximus when he is offered the throne, refuses to take it. And then Commodus just kind of comes in and takes it just i don't know his his not inability maybe inability but just disregard for what happens next if he doesn't act quickly and take this throne i yeah i don't want to say that i didn't feel bad for him because i did but and and again like this is a me problem where just game of thrones has wrecked me for (laughs) As far as terms of political intrigue and conquest and betrayal, and I didn't even think, think about yeah, that. I, I like honestly, I, like I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. But now that you say that for sure, I feel like Ned Stark is like literally only in the first season of eight seasons, and it's it's brief. And he's like that shining, like the hero we need, but not the hero we deserve, kind of a thing, right? Like true. Um, that like he comes into my thought process so little, although he probably should come in more. But like, yeah, that like that's not two and two that I put together at all. Yeah, I. It I makes just, a lot of sense. I just couldn't help but think about it. And I granted Maximus does, um, he does better than Ned because <laughs> yeah, ultimately he takes the power right. back. He keeps his head. He keeps well, his even head. at the end, he's like, hey, like this should go back to the people to the in like, Rome and the Republic and, right. and stuff like that. Where like. There is a, you know, a, a balance that is created even after his death. Right. If you haven't seen this movie, please, please, please watch it. It's a wonderful movie. I think this is one of Joaquin Phoenix's finest performances, in my opinion. Like, I thought he was great with her. Um, I'm really excited to see his new uh, portrayal Joker, of Joker. Joker. Yeah. Like, that looks really cool. It looks, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, like, I think that'll be really good, but... I just think Joaquin Phoenix, honestly, is like one of those actors of our time that I'm just, I've, I'm in love with like everything he's done. Like I remember going and watching Walk the Line in the movie theater and being like, holy shit, like he and Reese Witherspoon and like they can both sing really well. They play their characters well. This, you look at her, he's just in a lot of really good things. 
Um, and I just think he has these like tremendous performances in so many different things. And I, I, again, going back to like the Joker movie, like that looks awesome. Like again, a very unique perspective on it, a different take. I just, I think he takes risks and I think he takes, I think he takes educated risks and more often than not, I think he has been able to pull off the risks. And I think that's the thing that's really cool. I look at other actors who have taken risks like that. I think of like Ben Affleck playing Batman. No, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there. But I was going to go like, I, I was going to go like, I think Brad Pitt, like early Brad Pitt was really cool. Like when he was like picking Floyd in True Romance. Yeah. Well, oh, Floyd like is quality. Like, yeah. Like, well, he was like, he was Floyd in True Romance. He but did he was, uh, Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden. He did um, his like stint in seven, like, 13 monkeys like he did really cool or 12 monkeys yeah Yeah, thank you like he did really unique and cool films and i think similarly to like johnny depp too like early johnny depp did really cool movies and like it seemed like maybe they had like a an ability to influence what they were going to do i think that same way with with joaquin phoenix where i feel like he's taken he's taken a lot of risks with the films and the characters that he's like taken on to portray and I think he's done a tremendous job on them. And I, I, I go back to like what you were saying, Jamie, with um, I think it was you saying like he was really maybe it was you, Chad, actually really nervous to take on this role, whether or not he was going to be able to do it. But he he, in my opinion, stole this movie. And, and I think if you haven't seen this movie, take the time to watch it because it is a tremendous, tremendous movie with a wonderful cast and a, a wonderful storyline. Yeah, and I've I've plugged this film before, but you guys got to see the Sisters Brothers. It is so good. It's yeah. um yeah, especially as a nice little primer before Joker. It's um the cowboy movie with him and John C. Riley, and mm-hmm. he just plays a drunken, lecherous. God, I struggle. I struggle with John C. Riley, like because like like the the Dewey Cox story, like some of these things that just seem like it's a like so such such a joke, and like I yeah. just. I don't yeah. think I can't take him as a serious actor. It's difficult for me because he drops all of um, that John C. Rileyness in this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would really okay. be curious to get your perspective on it. Sure, I love him most in Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> the, the first one or the second? The first one. Okay. Second one. The, the first not... time he wrecks it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Got it. It's important to know. <laughs> Have you seen Wreck-It Ralph? I haven't seen the first one. I've seen the second one. Oh, is uh, more importantly, is Sarah Silverman in both? Yes. Yes. Okay. Are you a lover or hater? I like her. What? You don't like her? No, I like her. Oh, yeah. So do I. I've had to defend her for a really long time. No, no, no. People are finally starting. I like. I like her. Like, I think the thing that like really like cemented it for me, and this is gonna sound silly, but was like the episode of cars, like comedians and cars getting coffee. Like she just felt so real and like smart and and like articulate. Like I I loved her in that episode. I've kind of been like hemming and hawing on whether or not I should. Like I feel like there's some like she's done some questionable shit. But I think one of the things too, and especially like that ha- has happened more recently, where like she just came out in an article. Maybe it was God, I don't remember what it was, but she was saying like she got fired from a film because of something she said like ten or fifteen years ago and. Yeah, I think it was like a, a blackface thing that she did when she was doing her own show on Comedy Central. And she talks a little bit about like her like 
what that has looked like for her moving forward. And she's like, you know, all I can do is like apologize and say like, I don't agree with what I did. And I recognize that I did it. And like, how do I move forward from this? And like, I just, I feel like there is genuine growth, which I think is really important. I feel like she's, she's trying really hard to, to take what she did and take a mistake that she made and try to turn it and, and make it for the better. And, I don't feel like I have seen that many celebrities do that in a way that has felt genuine. And I feel like she has in, in since that article. And, and again, since that, that um, interview in comedians and cards getting coffee, like I've just, I'm a huge fan of her. I appreciate what she does. And I, I think she's smart. I think she's articulate. I think she has a good place that she's coming from. And I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Let's hear your fo- thoughts. Finally. Let's hear your thoughts finally, Jamie. My finally thoughts. Pray tell. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Let's see. What haven't we talked about yet? We, no, I think I pretty much um, ran through it all. The, yeah, talked about Game of Thrones, talked about Ned Stark. Uh, the one thing that I would say is I do love this film. I enjoyed revisiting it. I There is a case that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is the other best picture of the year 2000. I, I haven't seen it recently <clears throat> enough to campaign for it um, as strongly. And frankly, I, I'm not sure if I would even like it as much as I do gladiator again, but I, I just, I remember it was nominated. It was nominated. And out of that category, I think those two were the only ones that I really came out in defense for or felt strongly about. So. That's crazy too. Cause I don't think crouching tiger was promoted very no. heavily either. It was kind of like, I'm not, it wasn't like a limited release, but I remember, I remember like dragging a couple friends to that, like not even like they had no idea what it was. And like, I remember walking out of there like, whoa, like blown away. It was like a really cool fucking movie. Yeah. I remember it very well. It was playing at the uh, indie theater by our house It called the Shea Artiste. And <laughs> my mom took me and I think it was just an effort to probably culture her son. That's probably what she was after there. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was the same thing. I was 10 it years. It was only that easy to get culture just by walking. If only. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. But I was 10 years old and, you know, people are flying around and I, even intellectually as an older person being able to understand that when I was 10, I was just completely unaware of what was going on, but I loved it. It was great. Right. So yeah. Cool. Uh, my final thoughts on the gladiator is, is that I honestly went into this, like I went into this movie, like with a real negative attitude thinking that I wasn't going to like it. And I was actually blown away. So I kind of like gives credit to the, the production value and story of this movie. So thank you for, for bringing this movie. I'd be curious too, because I don't know if we talked about it, and if we have, I apologize. No, it's fine. Like, yeah. What is um like what like kept you from watching this movie? So like we said that this is the first time that I you've don't seen know. this, and I, I mean, think you I... talked a little bit about like Russell Crowe and being a little bit like nervous about like what what Russell Crowe in this movie might look like, but like what kept you from watching this movie? I don't know. Probably, I don't know. Sometimes I just kind of like set my mind towards something and or set an opinion towards something. Yeah. And I just don't let it go, especially when it comes to like big, because this is like a big blockbuster kind of like Hollywood movie. And I just tend not to gravitate toward those films as much, mm-hmm. um, I guess, is probably the main reason. So, But I sure. think that's probably keeps me from. And that's why some- you hate like movies like Star Wars. 
because they're like all oh, them are fighting words. Big yeah. blockbusters, right? Because you hate those big blockbusters like Star Wars. I didn't say I hate all big blockbusters. Okay, it's not oh, just some. Got it. Just making sure. <laughs> we can Plus edit there this was, out. There, there wasn't like a great toy line either that came with the Gladiator. So. <laughs> Hasbro, where <Right>. are you? <laughs> Kenner, come back, please. Come back. Where are you, Kenner? With removable arms. Yeah. I mean, no one cares what my thoughts are on the movie, but yeah, it was, I was, it was a pretty yes, good movie. Yes, we so. do. But no, okay, but I what we haven't talked about either is Chad. I I know you're kind of repulsed or not into the violence, but the that's like the whole thing with Gladiator. Like, does not even a little bit of you want to watch a chariot cut a guy in half, or is that just me? Are those like, really really cool in the disturbed recesses of my that's mind? That's just you. I I like people getting chopped in half, but I have more. I find more entertainment value when it's like cheese factor so if it's like dead alive and people are getting chopped in half and okay. getting like stuck on pikes and saying like oh i kick ass for the lord <laughs> like those are my kind of like it but. ash with a chainsaw <laughs> or like so just you see so you rubbed, you loved red state <laughs> well i've never seen it oh is that the kevin smith one yeah <laughs> i'm telling you John this whole this, this podcast has drawn me back into movies versus just watching tv series so again yeah. i've not seen a lot of movies lately this is helping me get back that's why i got you guys you guys are more into movies than i am and this is yeah. i'm learning through this so yeah i'll continue to watch the violent ones for you i'm just i'm, I'm at yeah. peace with that part of my brain jamie that is wants here to see it. no anyway, actually it wasn't it's, it's not that i wasn't repulsed by the violence in the movie um I just wasn't more so the acting. It was more <laughs> like yes, one in particular. Yes. The vi- the the acting. <laughs> the violence is fine. It was yeah. the acting that was repulsive. <laughs> yeah. In particular, I'm sorry. Again, like the has acting to go was, crow. Yeah, the acting wasn't bad. It's just yeah, whatever. I've said everything about that before. Yeah. But all right, yeah. why don't you take us away? All right, and that concludes episode five of Movie Time Machines. Look into the Gladiator. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or corrections on this podcast, or want to tell us how much we suck or all how we're doing, whatever, find us on Twitter, Movie Machine Pod. Just look us up, time, Movie Time Machine. And thank you and good night. Movie Time Machine.